Welcome to the Sovereign Mastery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the exploration of the various themes surrounding personal sovereignty, growth, and empowerment. Hello, everybody. We are back after a little hiatus. This is Christine Michelle, and I'm joined by Elaine Zener. And today, Elaine, what are we going to be talking about? Um, we're going to be talking about the shadow self. Now, how did this come about? Giving a lot of thought to some of my clients who called who are living with their mates. And for some reason or other, they didn't anticipate that this would extend with the COVID this long. And in a way, it's been a blessing and a bit of a nightmare for them somehow. And you know what they say, it's as our greatest blessings disguised as our worst nightmares. That's what happens sometimes. It's giving people a chance to sit in their space with their loved ones and really look at them in terms of their shadow selves, because we also we all have this light side of us and this dark side of us. And the tendency is to kind of bury the dark side and just expose the light. Like when you walk into a party, you're that light, bright person and you meet this light, bright person. But then afterwards, your intuition kicks in and there might be something that kind of is not showing through with the other. And that's what's been happening sometimes with people that are living with each other on a daily and they don't have a place to go. Um, and they're forced to see the shadowy sides of themselves in the mirror of the other. So it's the things we don't want to see about maybe we want to be this bright, shiny, happy person and we hide our anger or any dark things that might be coming out and we start saying, oh my God, he's been so nasty to me. I can't believe he's done this. And, um, or she's been so selfish. But the truth of the matter is there are things within them that we don't like that are really things we need to look within ourselves that we haven't expressed. And the best way to be would be to embrace both the light and the darkness if, so that we can be that whole person. When we, yeah. when we come in, there's that Taoist symbol for yin and yang. It's called a taijitu. So it almost looks like waves of one going into the other. And one is white wave with a dark spot in the middle of it. And the other one's a dark wave with the uh, light spot in it. So it's a diagram of ultimate polarities in all forms. It's duality. It describes opposing and complementary forces in the universe. Um, it, they oppose yet complement each other. And it's ongoing process that um, is evolving and is cyclical. You can't get out of it. You know, it's passion, selfish, soft, hard. Um, although they're opposite, they need one another to exist to work as one. So if you have the yang, that's more masculine and white, and the yin is more black, feminine, and cold, and masculine is heated, so they oppose each other. And they fit together like a glove, and each of us are like that. Um, and the star point inside each of those symbols and you, is a seed of existence. So for all good, there is some dark, and for all dark, there is light. And it always seeds one another. And each opposing force needs a counterpart. So, you know, I'm wondering out there how everybody is doing with witnessing their own dark spots. And the shadow seems threatening. You know, sometimes it threatens our concept of self, what we think about ourselves. It gets hidden away. 
And there was this famous writer and intuitive, Cheryl Lee Harnish, who had a brilliant metaphor that said, if you keep stuffing the trash in the garbage so you don't see it, over time the trash will stink. And even if the main area of your home looks clean, eventually the stink of the garbage will infiltrate your home, even the areas that look nice on the outside. So that's what happens when we don't address the shadow. So it could seep in through cynicism. It can overtake our thoughts, slips of the tongue, or part of us that comes out. So if you're looking at the person that's across from you right now, and you're getting upset about it, or it's bringing up stuff. A lot of people are saying um, that their childhood memories of um, family of origin situations are coming up now where yeah. they remember, right? They remember, yeah. oh, when I was a child, I felt hurt by this. Well, this is actually a blessing because you get to witness that and maybe change the outcome or recognize where that part was just showing you your shadow self and how once you meld it together and say, well, I felt, uh, I felt that I wasn't heard during that time, or I felt that, you know, I was completely inconsequential at that time. You look within and say, well, how do I treat myself inconsequentially? Am I really embracing who I am, warts and all? So I'm wondering, Chris, how you're yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of the same things. And, you know, for me, I think what I'm, um, what I'm hearing from a lot of people is there's triggers coming up now. So there are, there are things that are triggering memories from the past or just, you know what I think it is mostly, it's actually the coping mechanisms because now we're placed in this, um, environment where we don't have the ability to escape ourselves, escape our thoughts, escape our cohabitants, you know, whoever we're living with. And I think a lot of the, the, the triggers come up and we can't use perhaps what we've used before, right. Where we can't just be out and, um, like, you know, I'll, I'll use myself, for example, like for me, one of my, my greatest therapies is going to the gym. And I have been trying to work out at home and I'm doing it, but it's just not the same thing. And it brings up a lot of anxiety for me. And it brings up a lot of my old feelings around that, you know, of feeling like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not following my plan. I'm not on program. I'm, you know, I'm going to lose my muscle. I'm going to gain weight. And I'm going through all of this stuff that's creating extra anxiety for no reason. So for myself, it's like, well, I got to look at my shadow parts. What's being triggered here? And, and why is it being triggered? So that's like one little example of how that comes up. But the shadow itself is not a bad thing. And I think that's one of the most important things to recognize. Like you said, they need to coexist. The dark and the light coexist simultaneously. And we need that duality. The thing with the shadow is that when we let the shadow run loose without being aware of it, (laughs) that's when we have a bit of a problem. Because that's when we're snapping back or we're behaving in a way that's maybe a little bit more out of character. But when we accept and and at least when we identify, okay, this is a trigger, my shadow behavior is coming up. That's when I find that you get more insight and more control and more peace because now you can recognize it and you can work with it. And then in in a sense, you're harnessing it. 
Yeah. And, and some of the beautiful things that I've learned from you was your archetypal work. Because when the shadow comes out, it is, you know, very Carl Jung. He's the one that created the whole concept of archetypes, which, you know, if you can mm-hmm. describe that, that would be great. But just from my experience of it with astrology and, and understanding which part in my life I am, you know, being the victim or which part of my life, uh, I, you know, I'm being the saboteur and, and really looking at that whether we like it or not, shadow sides that we are not aware of come up through that work as well. And I'm very fortunate to be able to do that with you. But the most important thing mm-hmm. that I've noticed, um, you know, based on what you're saying with the triggers is that there are many people walking around and having conversations as one shadow self to the next. So people are getting offended very quickly. It's, like, <laughs> yes. it's not my light yep. self anymore. You know, <laughs> screw everybody. I, I don't want to deal with this. So the shadow is meeting the shadow. And for instance, if, if somebody has rubbed you the wrong way, or all of a sudden you find, well, they're not so there for me anymore. They're going on their own place and they're not calling as often as they are. And all of a sudden you're left looking at like, oh my God, this abandonment shadow is coming up. And why is it that I need that person's energy to be okay in my own space? And it really compels and pushes someone towards freedom by stating, wait a minute, I'm not being abandoned. This is just another person doing what they're doing. I need to sit within myself and really embrace myself and, and give myself the power as opposed to saying, okay, this other person had my power the whole time. What is it that he's ref- or he or she reflecting back to me at this point? Now, if you, if you multiply yeah. this, by billions of people who are going through the same thing as a collective, which is unheard of, then there is something to be said about us needing to be melded as our whole selves. And that's the goal. Well, yeah. And I mean, a great example, you know, the thing with the shadow is that they really are survival archetypes. You know, the shadow parts of us are the parts that, are coping mechanisms we developed, you know, mostly in childhood that may not be considered the most healthy or balanced or um, psychologically, you know, in tune. But what they are, are whatever it worked in our family of origin, right? We learn also, we learn from our family structures, the dynamics and all of that. So these are, they, they kick in often under times of stress. So when you're talking about the collective shadow, yeah, we see hoarding, we see demonstrations, right? We see people that are like pushing or trying to push the boundaries of the quarantine or questioning it. So we're getting an array of behaviors that are kind of the the same thing. It's just on, on a wider scale of people feeling like something is being threatened. And when that happens, they react. Yes. And again, is it, you know, is it good? Is it bad? I don't like using those terms because like we just said at the beginning with the yin and yang, it's, it, it's a whole. The only way that that image is whole is by having the dark and the light. So it shows us, okay, this is a strategy that was developed and maybe it worked for a while. Maybe it never did, but probably did work in some way, shape or form when you were young, when you're growing up, or at least in your family of origin. And then as you move out, it starts to not work and it starts to become a problem. And that's where 
we start to usually become a little bit more aware yes. of our shadow, right? Because it's only when it starts to not work, you know, we enter a different type of relationship, you know, in a romantic relationship that might actually have been just the way it works. And I've seen this with a lot of people who go through divorce is that they, you know, they leave and once they start dating again, they're still using some of those dynamics. And then people are like, what the hell's wrong with you? And then it sends them reeling because they don't understand that that's not always going to be the, the system. Yes. Yes, I agree. So, for instance, if you are going out with someone and you look at them and say, oh, my gosh, you know, they're, they're either doing their own thing. What about me? If you grew up in a situation where the family of origin had a parent who was not there or a parent who is in a holic of some kind. So the, the idea was from a young age, you might have had a trauma and the trauma sometimes breaks off the shadow from the light. So the shadow self separates. And at that point, you start to look just at the shadow. You don't see that the white is there at times. And then as you get older, you start to do mock-ups of that event. You basically, you know, okay, my shadow self is this person's not there. They want to be free. They want to do what they want. They're drinking. They're working like crazy. They're just not there. It must be me that's not worthy of that. And that's the shadow part where you're witnessing a person going and then moving on in life. And then I have seen many people that end up attracting mates that are mock-ups of that one event where they broke off and that shadow self was not combined with the light within themselves as a whole. And they keep inviting people to show them Mm -hmm. that shadow part of, oh my gosh, I'm not free. I have to constantly serve the other. I have to constantly be there for another. They become codependent. They become the only way they get their needs met is by passive aggressive behavior. And then they start realizing, oh my gosh, this person's me. I'm craving freedom. I want to be free. I attracted this person because I needed to know that I'm free and that I'm able to go away myself instead of holding space all the time and wondering why someone left me. So when you absorb that and say, okay, my shadow self is, you know, a person that wants freedom. I keep attracting people that run away. Well, it's because I need to embrace the fact that I want to be free too. And that's okay. So there would be one example of doing that. Or if someone boasts a lot, says, I have this and I have that and I have all this money and I have all this power. And guess what I did today? I went on my yacht today and you're sitting there like cringing. I, I, I can't believe this. I'm experiencing envy. I'm experiencing jealousy. How come he gets to, or she gets to be that way? You might want to look inside and say, well, is there a shadow self about yourself about boasting or making money or maybe thinking whatever it is that you're thinking about? It gives you a mirror to be able to get perspective on certain characteristics that are within yourself that you don't want to look at. Yeah. And I mean, again, it comes back to if we define things as good and bad, it really becomes very difficult for us to embrace those parts of ourselves. So when we look at it with a slightly, you know, a shift in perspective where, for example, in the example, like what you just talked about, you know, if we feel this envy, let's say we see somebody who's like, you know, living this life of, of extreme luxury and we feel 
probably before we feel envy, we feel judgment, mm-hmm. right? Be like, you know, in this day and age, how could you spend so much money on this stuff? And oh my God, you've got so much, you should be giving it to others. And you should, you know, a lot of times you hear people talking like that, right? Where it's like there's judgment comes in first. And that's actually a really good warning light on your dashboard, as it were, where you could look at that and you say, okay, ooh, I'm, I'm really being judgy here. And when you're being judgy, <laughs> that's usually, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, the thing that I'd see where you would be um, alerted to that. And then perhaps after judgment comes envy, disgust, whatever. But if there's envy, that's usually an you know, um, an unexpressed desire in some way, shape or form. Does it mean you want the luxury yacht? No, of course not. But maybe you don't spend on yourself when you, even when you can, because you don't feel like you're worth it. And so maybe that trigger is seeing that person having all that stuff. It's not that you want to have that lifestyle per se, but what you do want is the permission to treat yourself a little bit more generously. And that's how you do the shadow work. It's not a cut and dry opposite, right? I mean, you know, obviously I know, Lainey, you know this. It, it's, it's more about peeling the onion, I guess you could say, and, and starting to say, okay, when I judge somebody, what does it say about them? But then don't stop there. What does that judgment say about me? And then say, what is a positive thing? You know, what is it really that I'm looking at here? What's really bothering me about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and that's it. And we can go, you know, from there and you yes. extrapolate and, and giving yourself a pat on the back every once in a while for good work that you've done. You know what? It's okay to boast sometimes. It's okay to turn around and say, you know what? I've done a great job. Yeah. Don't get upset that you, that they are saying this. Do that for yourself. Boast for yourself. Say, I, I've done a great job. Look what I've done. I, I had found also a, a lot of times if I find myself more critical of others, I quickly turn it around and say, oh my gosh, it's not about them. I'm being hypercritical right now because there's something within me that's not happy or, or, or feeling, I feel like I'm judging yourself, myself, like you said. But on the flip mm-hmm, side of mm-hmm. this also, if you're doing this, it's almost like your astral field or your energy is broken down a little bit and you allow energy vampires to come in. Sometimes oh, yeah, people come in yeah. that reflect your doubt, reflect that shadow self that you're not expressing and not, not embracing within yourself. And they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you're like this? okay, um, I'm going to take all your energy from you because you don't even realize some of the strengths that you have and I'm going to express it by showing you. Um, And yet through daring to meet your shadow and being less reactive to these people that come in, and you know who I'm talking about, Chris, I mean, less reactive Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and you become more loving and free within yourself as you start to absorb, well, wait a minute, it's not them. I'm just allowing them to do this to me. Let me look in terms of where I have energy eking out of myself. Doing inner work is really important. Going within will just completely yeah. neutralize anyone that's trying to, or you feel is taking anything away because there's nothing left for them to try to suck from you. It's not there anymore. Well, yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, it's, it's not about beating yourself up. It really isn't about that. It's about accepting what you see, because this is exactly it. We do end up attracting people into our lives that are going to mirror those fake beliefs, false beliefs that we have about ourselves. And when we can embrace and understand, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist and it is brutal. I am very self-critical still. And it's something that I'm constantly trying to be like, you know, good enough is fine. It doesn't have to be perfect. But that then reflects in a lot of my relationships where I look, if something happens, then it must be a reflection on me not being good enough or whatever enough, depending on the situation. And that's a really important thing, too, to realize is that we don't often make that connection. Yeah, I agree. And so the other person starts to, you know, can, you know, say or do a little something. And for us, it's just the end of the world. We take it to heart, literally take it to heart as a failure. Because in our survival archetype, you know, (laughs) toolbox that we come with as we grow older, it's like, no, I had to be, I have to be, you know, it has to be perfect. Or what will the neighbors think or whatever, right? Whatever it is that we come with. Yeah. And this Jungian shadow work. Just to get an idea of the definition of archetype, what would that be? What would be the easiest way to define archetype with the shadow work? Well, there is a lot of a lot of people who've done work on this, but the way I like to explain archetypes is really simple. That simply this is that they are almost like personas that we see in ourselves, in others. We see them in movies. We can, we can spot um, certain personalities, certain celebrities. It's really you know, a, a, an interesting way to, to use a celebrity as an example sometimes of a, of a, of a type of archetype. They, are, they represent, and there's high form and low form, so it's important. We've been spending a lot of time talking about sort of the lower form, the darker, darker parts of it, but archetypes like anything, come with um, duality. So there are the, the, the higher expressions of the archetype and the lower form expressions of the archetype. Um, we do have four survival archetypes that everybody is, is born with. How they get expressed is a little bit different depending, you know, again, on circumstances. But there's always going to be the child in us. And oftentimes we see the child uh, shows up often when we're triggered as adults and often it's triggering, you know, a trauma, um, an emotional crisis that occurred that was never really tended to in childhood. And so that trigger will keep bringing that little, that little person into play and start, they start driving the bus as it were, as opposed to our adult selves. We have, uh, the saboteur, and this is often something that, you know, again, can be expressed in different areas in our life, but typically there's sort of a, a self-sabotage element. Again, how it's triggered depends on your history, but we, we see that there's always that sort of self-sabotage happening. We have the victim, which is, <laughs> you know, a perennial favorite. Like, why is this always happening <laughs> yeah. to me? And, you know, we, we hear this in a lot of different ways or even, you know, with energy vampires, Or, or, you know, we'll see them playing the victim, which, you know, triggers the rescuer for those of us who have that that kind of uh, archetype. 
but the victim is a very powerful one. And we have the prostitute. Now the prostitute doesn't mean that it's like we're, we're loose and we're, we're, we're wild or whatever. It, it's really about where we trade off. Do you stay in an unhappy marriage because you're materially safe and secure? You're financially covered, even if you're miserable. Mm-hmm. That's an example of the, where the prostitute comes in. Where do I trade off my values in order to get a pat on the head <laughs> to feel yes. good about myself? That's an example of the prostitute. So those are the four survival archetypes that we all come in with. And then the rest, there, there's a myriad, myriad of, of archetypes that um, show themselves, you know, and we see it expressed to a certain extent in the different planets. When we yeah. look at astrology, we see this in, in many ways, shapes and forms. Um, but we kind of know certain things like the way I always tell people just as a starting point is think about the stories. When you talk about yourself to others, let's say you're, you know, like what's like some of the, your perennial favorite stories you pull out at a cocktail party kind of thing about yourself. And there you'll probably start to see a theme of some of the archetypes that, are the ones that you're happy to show, (laughs) you know, like nobody's really going to want to pull out um, some of the, the darker ones, but, but we, we will, we will try to do that and highlight some of the parts of ourselves that we think are, are interesting or at least acceptable. Um, I believe also, which, which I've seen and a lot of my clients have spoken about is that usually when you meet somebody for the first time, yes, they show their best foot forward, they're wearing their perfect costume and they look beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, they would make some side remark under their breath that would represent their shadow. And what I would find now is that whatever comes out of their mouth first that represents a shadow side, <laughs> it is an integral part of the shadow piece that they haven't melded yet with. So that's also really important. Yeah. The, the healer that's coming up in a lot of people now with these EMS and hospital workers, there are a lot of empaths out there that have gone into the occupation of healer because they felt called to go out there and be in the world to assist in healing many people psychologically, medically, physically. Um, Right now, they are encountering a lot of people dealing with their shadow work, and they're also absorbing a lot of energy. They absorb other people's energy. So I think this work would be beneficial. Right now, they're in survivor and rescuer mode, where they're like putting everything to the side to help others. But eventually, as, as this thing hopefully winds down, we don't know if it's in a month in six months, in a year, there are there is be, between the people that are home having to deal one-on-one with their mates and with their families and people that are out there literally in, on the battleground trying to deal with this and putting all their sell, themselves to the side. There's going to be a great need, I believe, Chris, to deal with this shadow work. I think the work that you do, yeah. I think the work that you do, <laughs> is crucial with the archetypes, you know, for people to start getting aware um, of what's going on. It's so trans. Yeah. It, it, it's so transformative. And, you know, I, I've done this work for many years on myself and, and with others. And I, I've just seen what it can do because 
like I said, the, the one thing that I always stress is that it's not like, oh, this is a really ugly, bad part of me. I need to cut it off and get rid of it. No, you can't do that. You came in here with those things because you're meant to learn. You're meant to live them and express them. And quite possibly you're, you're meant to learn and express them in their low form and high form. You know, we're, you know, sometimes we have to, to do things in a, in a linear way and we start from the low end and we work up high. Um, if we allow ourselves the awareness to, to do this. But it is transformative, and that's the power of this, is, is to never for a minute think that the archetypes that you come in with are a hindrance or they are a fault, a blemish on your soul. No, no, no. They're, they're selected. It's like your astrology chart. When you're born, that's kind of part of your soul's DNA. And the archetypes we come in with are the same. You know, uh, Carolyn Mays would talk about, you know, the soul contract. And this is part of it. It's like you come in with this. And working with them and learning how to work with them in high form and low form gives you this. It's like you, you get cracked open. You get cracked open and suddenly you're, you're not triggered by anything anymore. You're able to process from a place of groundedness, clarity, understanding and yeah even compassion when a trigger is a nasty trigger yes and and, and, yes and no i was just thinking could this possibly happen with full countries having their own chart and then the country themselves has their own archetype in general with other countries if you go on the macro i mean i just wanted to throw (laughs) that in because i you know i noticed that each of them behave differently during covid and there's a lot of stuff being brought up Mm -hmm in the collective as far as country with country, not, not just individually, but I, you know, I digress. I just, it was a thought that came up just now. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's anything like, you know, that is in the micro is in the macro. So you look at a family dynamic and you think about a country being a household, (laughs) just a really giant household, you know, you've got a lot of different people at play in there and they're all coming in with, a slew of archetypes each. So that, you know, that's where this could get really complicated, you know, because you've got national kind of traits or archetypes that are, that resonate probably more with one than another. But what we, you can see are just the different political leaders or their styles. And you can see different, um, definitely different, and also some shadow parts of each country that are coming up now that they didn't want to deal with. And each one is different. <laughs> you know, China, it's, it's locusts and yeah. wasps and bacterias and viruses. <laughs> you know, with us, it, it's with the monies that have been utilized and, and what's going on with that, you know, the incongruency with that in our country. So everything, it, it, everything's coming up on, on all levels, but it's with the goal of if we can do this work and bring all this shadow dark place that we've been burying for so long or refusing to look at and just going on with our lives day to day and pretending they don't exist. Well, now the truth will set you free. And the way to do the shadow work, I'm assuming from, from my perspective is to um, really first admit that there is a shadow some people have not admitted that and now they're forced to look at that 
to maybe sort yeah. out which archetype or what's your program that you're running right now. And also start to realize that if the person across from you is triggering something in you, the best way to neutralize it is to look within yourself and write down, okay, what is triggering me? Let me write down the feeling, the emotion, am I happy, sad, glad, mad, whatever it is. And really look in terms of, well, when did I feel this way before? Did something like this happen to me when I was younger or 10 years ago? And really look at where it might be about you. And then as you go through that and you start embracing that and seeing that it is all you, it really starts to strengthen your core to realize that everything emanates from you. The choices of mates, mm-hmm. the choices of even the style of your home, where you want to live, the food you want to take into your body. Are you taking more food in than, you're, than you usually would to maybe cushion your cells in your body because you want to feel protective of, of this fear that might be lingering there that you're not even sure existed before? There's a lot of things you can look in and find out how the shadow might have um, expressed itself through your habits that might not be so healthy, that might not have invited people into your Mm -hmm. life that are good and nourishing for you. And then you get to make a different choice. You have the power of choice based on more knowledge and the absorbing of your shadow self into your whole being. And that, I believe, is the focus of this time as well. You know, like, honestly, you couldn't have asked for a better period of time to be introspective, to be really looking, because we've been, you know, all the sort of external distractions have been taken away. So absolutely, it's it's the time. And it's a really, you know, we're also, you know, from an astrology standpoint, we're heading into a big retrograde season with many big planets going retrograde, which there too is going to force that reevaluation and review of many different things. You know, we have Pluto, which, you know, is our power and it's that darker transformative side of things, right. Of the really deep, dark, nasty stuff. We've got Saturn, which is our structures, our authority, the boundaries, boundaries. Oh my God. Boundaries have been showing up everywhere in conversation. People are like, I really have to maintain better boundaries. And, you know, whether it's with family members or it's with work, it's just showing up everywhere. And Venus, I believe, is also going retrograde. So relationships, what we hold of value, our passions, all of that. So it's like everything is coming up for review right at a time where we're still in quarantine. We're still not 100% sure when we're going to be out of quarantine. So there's like this this unknown factor, plus we're going to have this massive shift in the heavens where things are going to be feeling like, okay, now we got all of this other stuff to review. It's like, I feel like, you know, I see this like image of this giant mailbag <laughs> being dumped full of letters on a desk. Like, yes. okay, now you got to go through all of this. And it's like, oh man, okay, here we go. One by one, let's go. And so it's, it's going to be a very intense time, but I really think it could be a very, positive and transformative time if we work the energy work with the energy that's happening and work with this sort of gift of a little bit more time and space to to look to look within and and i i would use um the metaphor of groundhog day 
the the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day where he gets up and he can't really understand or absorb how this day is happening over and over again. So he tries a way to get through it, right? <laughs> so look at how he goes through it in the beginning. He tries to kill himself to to see if he'll get back. He starts rebelling, he gets angry, then he goes into what we call Venus out of bounds, which is what we're going through right now, which is when <laughs> Venus, where you want yeah. this hedonistic, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to be with whoever I want. Um, and it keeps, and it keeps happening. He goes, okay, now love. Let me pretend that I, that I know everything about this woman. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to give her all the words that she wants to hear. I'm going to record in my mind what she likes, but he's not really interested. He was just interested in one thing, one thing only. But as time goes by, because that's what we're given right now, it's horrible. I mean, people are just pushing against it, but we're given time. And, and it's funny because nobody even knows what day it is at the time. They don't even know, am I getting up on a Sunday? Am I getting up on a Monday? <laughs> but we're given time yeah. to really come into my own. So towards the end, he starts to ha- say, you know, what? I don't have time for anyone right now. I'm cultivating myself. I'm going to take piano lessons. I'm going to learn ice sculpting. I'm going to start to really get to know this woman that I really am interested in, but not on my terms by memorizing everything that she wants and spitting it back. I'm going to really get to know who she is and hear her. And towards the end, everybody wanted to find out who this person was because he was focusing on his core. He was now absorbing his shadow Mm -hmm. with his light. And it took him so many, I think it was 42 groundhog days to get to that point. But when he discovered <laughs> unconditional love for himself and for another, that's when the day stopped and he got back to what he knew originally, but he was never the same again. And that's what's happening with all of us mm-hmm. on a collective. Well, I think on that note, um, yeah, <laughs> go watch the movie. <laughs> look, at, look within, Please, you know, not that you have to spend the same day over and over again, but Really take the time. Really just start to inquire. You know, be curious about some of what uh, is coming up for you right now because that's clearly whatever comes up now is, is the stuff you need to look at and to work on. And, uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. So if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at Sovereign Mastery. Um, it's a group page, so you can join that. It's open. And uh, pop your questions in in there. Let us know what you think. If there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about. Also, if you're interested in having uh, a reading with us, hop on that page and uh, let us know. And we can set that up as well. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Thank you. And everybody stay well. And hopefully uh, we'll get through this (laughs) intense but transformative Have a beautiful day.